Make the most of your life. When you remove the blocks that are holding you back, you can bring inspiration, passion, and purpose to yourself and those around you. This is the Hoffman Connection with your hosts, Raz and Grossi and Ed McLoon. Our hosts and their guests will give you the tools that you need to improve yourself by bringing you closer to what really matters. Now, here's your host. And welcome to the Hoffman Connection. Coming to you live here from San Francisco, I'm Ed McLoon, a teacher of the Hoffman Process and a marriage and family therapist here in California. My co-host, Raz Grassi, is off this afternoon, but um, we'll be taking you through the show with a really important guest today. Um, if, you've, if you've never heard about the Hoffman Institute, we're celebrating 45 years as a leading personal development program, helping people who are serious about changing. And we have the process put on in 16 sites across 11 countries all over the world and helped some 80,000 people worldwide. Um, and the purpose of our show today is to bring inspiration, education, and tools to help you connect to a life that you love. We offer the process every two weeks uh, here in the United States, both in Northern California and on the East Coast, about 30 processes a year. And if you'd like to learn more about the Huff process, right after this show and every Tuesday afternoon at 5 o'clock, there is an introduction called Free, It's Confidential. You can learn more about the process. Um, and find out more about that and get the call-in information, you can go to our website, hoffmaninstitute.org, and um, learn much more about our programs and the, um, the confidential introduction call that happens every Tuesday at 5 Pacific time. Um, it's really a pleasure to introduce this afternoon's guest, Shannon White, um, who is doing work that really cuts to the heart of the matter of what so many of us are doing, and certainly those of us in the Hoffman world are up to. Shannon is an author of a couple of books, one that she wrote with her tween daughter, which is called How Was School? Fine. Um, and the book that we're going to focus mostly on this afternoon is The Invis- Invisible Conversations with Aging Parents. Uh, Shannon has a degree from Princeton, a Master's of Divinity, the Theological Seminary there, lives in New York and, with her daughter. And if you'd like more information about Shannon's work, she um, can be found on the web at shannonawhite.com. So, um, Shannon, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you all the way from the East Coast. I'm envious you. that you're out on the West. <laughs> It's it's so good that you're here. I mean, so much about what the Hoffman process is is you know about cleaning up a lot of the pain or hurt or misunderstandings or complexities in families, so that we can take a lot of that healing out into other relationships. And um, in in the new book, the Invisible Conversations with Your Aging Parents. I mean, you just kind of cut to the chase about one of the most important or two of the most important relationships we have with with mom and dad. It's so true, Ed. And, you know, so many of us as adults are still in a sandwich generation. We're raising kids, but we also have parents who are aging. And since our parents are living longer, that group of people who are caring for aging parents is bigger and bigger. Um, A lot more of us are going to be called into... Um, kind of caregiving roles because we're living longer and then we're going to have to be dealing with our children who are dealing with us as we're aging. So 
there are a lot of things that go unsaid. I have seen this in 20 years of being in congregational life. I'm also um, in TV news, and I've kind of brought in some of the journalistic questions in this. And it's just, it saddens me to see people who live with those unresolved issues. So I've come up with this brand, The Invisible Conversations, to do exactly what you talked about, to kind of cut through that so that people can have integrity and connection in the relationships. Is there a difference when you say invisible conversations? That, to me, that sort of sounds like they're conversations that are being taken place but not really out directly, as opposed to just conversations that aren't, aren't happening, you know, that we don't talk to each other. Does it make sense? It, yeah, it does. I mean, I have conversations in my head that never come out of my mouth, or I have conversations with other people, but not to the intended person or people. All of those are invisible conversations. That's kind of the that's the new trademark that I've put on it. And those are those conversations that are not spoken to the in person, intended person or people. And some of these may be conscious or unconscious, but they carry very powerful emotions of anger, fear worry, sadness, or grief, and their accompanying feelings can take up a lot of space in our minds, creating kind of that distracting chatter and leading, leaving us without autonomy, both internally and externally. So they, they really wreak havoc in our lives. And it seems that, you know, family systems, there are conscious but mainly implicit agreements about how we converse and what topics are okay and what topics aren't. And those can be relatively functional or not, but when the chips are down and important situations are happening, such as an aging parent, um, those rules need to be broken, but most of us can't break them. That's true. And, you know, it's interesting you say that because caregiverstress.com, which I love the even name of that, says that research shows nearly one-third of adults in the U.S. have a major communication obstacle with their parents that stems from a continuation of the parent-child role and that that same dynamic exists on the parents' end with their adult children. So that's a lot of people that are still stuck in patterns from long ago that keep them from dealing in the now and, as you say, dealing with those very, very important topics. Right. So I think we all know from our own experience, sort of the, the don't go to zone in converse, in intimate conversations with a lot of our family members, uh, right. specifically with our parents. What, what's, what's the battle plan here? How do we, how do we open those things up now that, you know, with, especially with our aging parents, you know, the, there's a, a greater sense of urgency to, to break some of those conversational taboos. So let's start with a, a story. So Jimmy, uh, it's a fictional name, but it's a true story. Um, dutiful son of first-generation immigrant parents from Italy. His mother um, had beaten breast cancer, and by the time it came around the second time, Jimmy was kind of in a state of denial um, and thought that she would make it. Well, Maria was a was wore the pants in the family and did definitely kept her um, hand on the purse strings. Jimmy's father did not want to know anything about that, um, and Jimmy sat as he was sitting by her bedside as she was dying, said, um, literally the words came out, I'll do whatever I need to to take care of Pops, but what he didn't say was, where are all your documents, how am I going to do this and all this. She died, and he didn't know how, we, how he was going to pay for the funeral. 
she literally did not say if she had a will. She didn't say, um, or he didn't ask her where the passwords were. He didn't ask her about, you know, is there a pension or anything. He knew that she had worked for a long time. So he was afraid that if he said anything about that, that she would think he all he wanted to, to deal with was money, and that's all he cared about. That was the last thing on his mind. But it really, he said he's kind of on this crusade to get people talking so that when people ask them a question in a time of need, they don't have a blank stare. So, you know, there are lots of ways to get into important conversations. And, you know, there are conversations that can be anything from, um, you know, you are visiting your parents and you realize that one of your parents um, is not as alert as they have been. They're not remembering the things. And so you may ask them, you know, how things are or have they been to the doctor lately? And you may need to go along with them for a neurological consult if you're concerned. Or those invisible conversations can happen with your siblings about your parents in a situation like that. Um, A friend, Marie, and her siblings began to talk with her mother about where she might want to live in her remaining years. And they began to be uncomfortable about a possible manipulation of another sibling whom they suspected was taking advantage of her financially. So there were invisible conversations not only with the parent, but also between the siblings about where their loyalties were. Um, Invisible conversations can take place around um, someone who's thrust into a full-time caregiver role. Jane, a full-time attorney, a wife and a mother, all of a sudden uh, was told that her father needed to go into the hospital for knee surgery. Well, what she didn't realize until, uh, she thought it was a same-day surgery, what she didn't realize was that, in fact, he was going to need a rehab and... What she also didn't realize was that the father and mother had been covering up the fact that the mother had begun early stages of dementia and needed full-time care. So all of a sudden, Jane had to scramble to adjust her schedule to care for mom, who was going to be on her own for a week, and then what do you do after that? So a lot of things in terms of how do you care for current and future needs, physically, financially, emotionally, and spiritually of your parents to ensure that their wishes are met. And one of the ways to get into that conversation early on before there's any mental deterioration would be, what do you want your life to look like and how can we help make that happen? Because the reality is all of us want to maintain as much control and choice in our lives. And we want to be spoken with um, dignity and respect. Those conversations need to be held with, you know, with real care and love. And so it's, helping people maintain as much control and power as they can over their lives, um, but also trying to get as much information. That's a great question, isn't it, just to be that that loving and and direct? Yeah. Shan, we're going to take a quick break, um, and when we come back, we want to open up uh, the show to any listeners who have questions or, or experiences of invisible conversations or perhaps even some advice about how to break family rules and, and make the conversations visible with Shannon White here on the Hoffman Connection. Um, and 
Shannon has, has made downloadable uh, copies of her new book, Inv- Invisible Conversations with Your Aging Parents, available to our callers. The number to use is 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. And we're going to go to break now. We'll be right back with more with Shannon White here on the Hoffman Connection. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. I'm over here on the East Coast in the middle of a lot of storms right now, so if that's uh, if we have trouble, just let me know. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about how to clear up the unfinished business. Sometimes the conversations have been in operation for decades, and I experienced this in relationship with my own father, um, who had cancer at age 55, and by the time he was 57, it had come back for the second time. He had larynx cancer. He was a very successful businessman. And he was also a drinker and a rager. And the therapist with whom I was working at the time told me that I needed to, um, that it would be a lot better if I talked to him before he died rather than at his graveside, although she said you can clear up the unfinished business at the graveside as well. But she said it would be a lot better to do it and basically to tell him what it was like growing up in his household. And the thought of that was utterly terrifying to me. We had an unspoken, many unspoken rules in our house, but one of those is you never did anything to upset Dad because you never knew what was going to happen. And so I um, 
traveled from New Jersey down to Charlotte, North Carolina, and I was told, I mean, because I was crossing that family rule, I was told by my siblings, you know, that um, I was being selfish, and, you know, I really risked the possibility of losing my family, or the alternative was to be truthful and to free my, not only myself, but also him. And that was my hope, that, you know, by having, bringing the conversation from being invisible to visible, that that would somehow free both of us. So I made the trip down. Um, he, you know, it took, you know, some hours. I stayed in the hotel the night before. I walked into the living room where he was sitting, and he was sitting on the couch. Um, he was unable to speak at that point. He had had a laryngectomy. And I went up to him and I said, Dad... I've always been afraid of you. But what's important now is that there's love and peace and forgiveness and that the things that happened um, between us have not held me back and that I am really fine, I'm okay, and I will be okay. And, you know, there had been some physical abuse and there was... What I, what I didn't know was that I had been stuck in the age of the last incident of physical abuse when I was 13 and, at that point, a 30-year-old body. And it had really affected every relationship, not only, you know, with relationships with men, but also at work with authority figures. It just, it was really keeping me in prison. And so when I said these words to him, he looked directly at me in the eye, and he blew me a kiss, and he closed his eyes. And I knew that that's all I needed to say. So I traveled four or five states. I stayed in the room for about five minutes. I went out on the porch, and I literally felt myself mature from age 13 to that then 30-year-old. And I got in the car, and all the way back up to New Jersey, I dry heaved. It was almost <laughs> like break, it was like I was breaking. You know, all the energy that had been kept down was being released. And it was, you know, two weeks later he died, and. Um, it was the most truthful conversation we had ever had. And it was, you know, one way, but it was really two-way because he was listening. And it allowed me then to be an adult. And, you know, that was, it's been interesting then to check back in with my siblings over the years because they didn't necessarily understand why I needed to do that. But that didn't matter. Um, The important thing was to have, you know, to be true to... It was a loving and caring presence, because um, I hadn't always been in that place. I mean, to be fair to my siblings, I had been angry for a long time. But this was really, I'd worked through enough to be able to say those things with love and care. So that was extremely powerful, and I, um, I'm very grateful to my dad for having, you know, for having heard that. And, you know, the, the thing that I guess I went to communicate in in this is that conversations even though there may be all of this energy behind them of you know you can't do this and you can't do that once they're had once you have these conversations things energy moves and decisions can be made whether it's about you know you're afraid that dad wants to date again after mom dies and you're afraid to talk about that because there's so much there or you want, you're afraid to talk about um, the impending death. You know, 
what's going to happen after the parent dies, or you're afraid to talk about um, dementia that's going to increase and losing that parent and the parent that you knew that you have known is going to be gone soon, even though they're still living. Um, all of those things, if we have the, enough presence of mind and have the courage, because I really do think it takes courage, and you know, courage comes, the root is core, which is heart, and to be able to speak from the heart to the heart um, is really what is called for. And, you know, and it's, it's a great gift that you can give not only yourself but to the other person as well. Right. I think, you know, part of the courage is to, I guess, break the anticipation of a certain kind of reaction, you know, that we all believe, I I can't make this conversation visible because some negative outcome will happen. Right. And so um, what you're saying is that in having the courage that once those conversations are had, all that tension breaks free and it's a whole new whatever possibility, I guess. That's true. And, you know, sometimes the other person may not be willing to have the conversation, but the attempt to have it at least opens the door. It may require a series of conversations. Um, with my mother, for instance, I, you know, we had had a conversation a long time ago about um, what she wanted as she had asked me to be her medical power of attorney. So we had, you know, Put everything into place. She had sent me her document. She told me what she wanted to have happen in case she wasn't able to make those choices. And then um, just recently, I knew that she was going to have some major surgery, and I called her and I said, you know, I know I've been, you know, this was several years ago, I know I've been your medical power of attorney. I just want to check in with you on that. And she said, um, and I went, what? <laughs> she huh. said, I, I just... I've changed it this time. And I went, oh, okay. And so I said, you know, talk to me about that. And she, and I said, you know, what did you decide? And she decided to change it to another one of my sisters. And I said, oh, Mom, why didn't you tell me? And she said, because I didn't want to hurt your feelings. Mm. And I said, oh, Mom. I said, this is not about hurting my feelings. I said, I'm an adult, and you're an adult. And I said, my job as your healthcare power of attorney is to do whatever your wishes are to carry those out. And whatever you decide is what's the right thing. It's not about hurting me or anything like that. And I said, you know, so it was really important for us, you know, for me to kind of stay in my body and say, okay, what am I feeling right now as I'm responding? Because I didn't want to be defensive. But I, you know, because she was willing to have that conversation, and to tell me, and I said, you know, explain to me how you came to that decision and, and what your desires are. Then we were able to get to a deeper level. But, you know, sometimes that's not, you know, sometimes uh, a parent wouldn't be comfortable in having that. Um, we worked for a long time to be able to have an honest conversation without one of us being defensive. And, but sometimes that's not an option. And so it's about, you know, checking in. At a later time, you know, we talked about this before. Have you thought about this? A great example, a friend of mine who, um, whose husband was a scientist, very intelligent. Um, what they both noticed that he was having some neurological troubles, and they kind of went, they went to the doctor together, and his worst fears were confirmed, that he had early stages of Parkinson's. 
she came home with him from the doctor, and she said, okay, Bill, we need to talk about how our lives are going to change. And he said, I don't want to talk about it. And so, you know, she thought, okay, I'll put this on the table for now. A month later, you know, she went back to it and she said, we need to talk about how our lives are going to look different. Do you want to stay in our house? If that's the case, then we need to talk about how we need to modify our home so that that can happen so that you can stay here. And that, you know, so she went at it from another direction um, a month later. So conversations aren't just once-in-a-lifetime things. They can be. Oh, but, darn. <laughs> yeah. Oftentimes they have to, you have to go in different ways. <laughs> and, and what I'm getting, at least, especially from the, the story you just told, Shannon, was that there's an, there's an element of self-care in doing this as well and, ha- and making these conversations visible. It's not just taking care of the aging parent, but also... Um, you know, making a plan or finding solutions or, you know, find, figuring out ahead of time, strategizing what's going to need to take place. It, you know, there's another way of holding this. It's, it's about taking care of whatever, the children or, or yourselves. Absolutely. And you know, the, uh, AARP talks about there are 40 million caregivers right now currently, people that, who are not going to be paid for their caregiving responsibilities, whether that's a spouse or whether it's an, an, an adult child caring for someone, um, that's a lot of people. And there are, there's more and more of a need for awareness as a caregiver of what a person needs, whether it's respite. And respite is when you get someone to take over your responsibilities for a day or maybe even an hour, a week, um, sometimes a month, so that you can go and replenish um, and then be able to come back in so that you can care properly for your loved one because burnout is extremely high for caregivers. It's just it takes everything that you have, but there's so many people that feel guilty for taking care of themselves. Um, There's a great quote um, by Kent Nurburn from Simple Truths, Clear and Gentle Guidance on the Big Issues of Life. He says, your heart is revealed by the way you treat your elders. And um, a woman named Betsy says, you know, she was caring for her mother who has dementia. And that's, you know, that's wearing on a person, even though as much as you love a person, that's wearing. And she says, you know, it's, this is not about my mother. It's really about doing the right thing for another human being. And she says, you know, we're all capable of finding the place of compassion, and we have to find it. And I believe she's right, that the journey is, is as much about your own development as it is about those for whom you love and care. And it may, it, the re- experience may require you to muster a whole new set of skills that you never knew you had. And it may call upon you to draw up upon that deep well of courage that's perhaps been untapped before now or to develop a practice of patience that you've never had. And really, I think people are called upon to be the best they can be, whether you're the spouse, the adult child, the friend, or the companion. So it just, it's, um, it's a new experience for a lot of people, but more and more of us are going to have that. And so it really is about preserving, not, not just preserving, but thriving, you know, continuing to live and love fully. That's right. And this is obviously one of the most important, intimate, loving opportunities in any family is taking care of our aging parents. Shannon, we're going to um, 
jump to a break and come back. I want to see if we can move the conversation to a little more practical things in, in just a couple of minutes when we get back. Um, uh, before we do run off to break, I do want to remind everyone that Shannon is making available a downloadable copy of her book, The Invisible Conversations with Your Aging Parents. And um, that that book is available to any caller who calls in this afternoon so um, or this evening, wherever you are live. All right, so we'll be right back. More with Shannon White here on the Hoffman Connection. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. Back to our Connection. Ed McLoon here with Shannon White, author of Invisible Conversations with Your Aging Parents. And Shannon, we've been talking about one of the big hindrance is fear, you know, breaking the family taboos around intimate conversation. And I know that the book is, um, is a lot more than just get over it, sum up your courage, go ahead and do it. So let's, let's get practical here. What are some examples that you have, you know, from the book of of making these conversations visible? Well, one of the people uh, um, that I interviewed for the book really talked about how to get into conversations with her father. Um, He was early stages of dementia, and she wanted to get down his stories. Um, But she's a writer herself, and she wanted to hear about his experiences from World War II. So... She said, and one of the things she suggested was to kind of go at, rather than just saying, tell me about your wartime experiences, which were easier for him to tap into with long-term memory versus the short-term memory, were things like, on the day that you um, 
had this certain battle, what was it like that day? What was the, you know, when you went around this corner, what did you experience and what was the feeling there? Who were the people that you were with and what did you all think about at that time? You know, ways in which you can tap into something deeper than just the facts. She really wanted to create a story that would be preserved, you know, um, and something that would be um, easier for him to kind of get into. So I thought that was really a helpful thing. Um, another story was, um, I have permission from all these people to share these, but I do use different names. Um, Dick and Barbara were members of a congregation of mine, and Barbara had um, lung cancer, and both were just lovely, lovely people. She had lung cancer. He was he became, you know, the primary caregiver for her, and she had uh, the recurrence came, and it was pretty clear that she was going to probably die within three months or so, and he. Um, was very attentive, just, uh, you know, had been a regular member of the choir. Both of them had been. They'd, um, they'd sailed around the world. They were just, again, had lots of interesting stories to tell, and they lived next door to the, to the church where I was serving. Well, lo and behold, um, the man also developed cancer while his wife was dying. I mean, it was kind of a very aggressive brain tumor, and... So um, he came into my office. I was the associate minister at the church, and he said, here's the deal. I want you to be the lead pastor here in this situation, and here's how I want it to go. And his, his daughters had started coming in. One lived in California, and this was, I was in a church in Connecticut. One lived in California, one in Florida, and they started coming in regularly, and they made a plan together as a family on how they wanted this to go. So that, um, and the, the sole purpose of that, according to um, their father, was that they, both he and Barbara wanted the daughters to be able to grieve when it was time to grieve and not to be dealing with a lot of the logistics. So when he sat down with me and he said, here's what I want our service to look like, and I said, what kind of scriptures do you want? What music would you like? You know, how do we write your obituary together? And he said, you know, this is when I want you to come visit, here and here and here. And he was very clear. Um, and because he was so clear and matter-of-fact, it made it much, I don't want to say easier, but his daughters were able, when it came time, and, and they died, you know, around Thanksgiving, and they decided to wait to have the service till after Christmas because he wanted his daughters to be able to be with their families in the prospective states. Um, and they had a lovely service, and they were able to have then the um, they were able to greet all of the family friends um, because things had been laid out. That's an extraordinary way of dying well, I think. And in fact, the day that he died, Barbara died, um, you know, several months before he did. But he said he, you know, he told his daughters, "I want to have a lobster roll and a cup of ice cream." <laughs> And they went out actually that day and did that, and he came home and he sat in a chair and he died. I mean, but he was very clear, and that actually eased the tension. And I think so many people are afraid of talking about death. And um, I, I talk about another situation of a, a woman 
um, Jewish woman who um, whose mother was not particularly a religious Jew, but you know when it came time to um, kind of talk about her impending death, um, Nancy said, "You know, Mom, you know, what do you think about what, what's going to happen?" And she really she she said, "You know, I really feel like this is just a continuation of the journey." And she talked about kind of a vision she had had, and it just it allowed them to both cry together and to be able to kind of rest knowing that um, there was care and love there. Um, so, you know, I just, uh, certainly people that live on the land know of life as a continuation. They see the life cycles going. So many of us, uh, you know, and I live in the Northeast, we're so busy and, you know, always trying to um, not face death, perhaps, just by going a little bit faster. But the reality is death is part of life. And if we can face that um, as people who are, you know, for, as, as adults, and encourage our children to be able to talk about it, then we really can embrace life for as long as it lasts, you know, as long as we're together. So, um, you know, I say that, and yet I'm in denial myself. I'm right. <laughs> well, Shannon, it's, it's striking me, though, that, too, I mean, even though, the, the subject matter is the invisible conversations with aging adults. And I know you've got other invisible conversation ideas or books, you know, in, in the works here. Right. It, it, it sounds like what you're talking about is, is really um, intimate conversations that we all need regardless. I mean, the stakes are high in a lot of different relationships. Um, certainly aging parents um, puts it all right in our faces, but, but what you're teaching us, is a lot about um, just stepping slightly across the, the borders of taboo of what's what we think is a, uh, I don't know a taboo question or a conversation, just to go ahead and do it. And it sounds like um, you know we all have to summon up our courage to step across that um, whatever yeah. manufactured line. And some of the motivation you're talking about, some of it's just practical, like we need to get the durable power of attorney done or figure out where the finances are or what's your account's password. But a lot of it is also, just like you were saying, the energy release of once these conversations have been had. Um, and I'm thinking even with my own family, you know, breaking the taboos of a certain level of conversation. For me, actually, it was about divorcing. You know, no one in my family had ever divorced before. That's a certain kind of death. But once that, once that uh, taboo was broken, it was like we could laugh about it rather than, you know, shove it back in the closet of, you know, things that aren't free to be spoken of anymore. It's true. And the reality is we're all human. And so just bringing that out into the open is tremendously powerful. And, you know, it, the buzzwords today about being authentic, well, that's, it really is about being authentic in all of your relationships. And that takes a tremendous amount of internal fortitude um, to be able to do that, to say I'm worth sharing what I'm feeling and thinking with another person without fear of being totally annihilated or just, you know, the the power of the word. You know, it's, it's interesting. Sheila Heen of Harvard, um, she has a book called, as a co-author of Difficult Conversations, How to Discuss What Matters Most. And she says, you know, families often have difficulty actually having the important conversations, even though they know they're necessary. But once people begin to actually have the talks, 
things happen and decisions can be made. And that that actually was quoted in a nationwide uh, insurance company um, survey, which to me says it all. It, it really is, you know, there's hope. You just have to cross over the line, as you say, you know, the, the perceived taboo line, and then you can move forward. Um, you know, one of the things, a huge conversation um, taboo is, you know, when do you pull the car keys? <laughs> That's a huge one. <laughs> and uh, one person talked about her mother who... Um, and actually, AAA Foundation has a wonderful free downloadable guide. That's a, you know, just give that out to everybody listening. You can go to their, the AAA Foundation, the AAA, and, um, and, and get that. But the way it worked out practically for one person that I talked to, her mother moved uh, from her familiar surroundings and, you know, had early dementia and she wanted to continue to drive. And my friend, you know, and this is really where it takes fortitude because it took her six months to talk this through with her mother, but she was very patient. And she said, Mom, I don't think that's going to happen, but let's just see. And so they parked the car at the assisted living, you know, the new assisted living place where she moved in the same place. And every week or so, they'd get in the car and her mother would start driving around the, the parking lot. And... You know, more and more she got agitated because she wasn't able to, you know, eventually find the parking place. And each time she'd say, you know, I want to continue driving. And she said, Mom, I don't think that's going to happen, but let's just see. And, you know, again, love and care and patience. And finally her mother said, okay, you know, you're right, I can't drive. But at the same time, she and her family um, worked out um, increasing amounts of time where they could get her mother out to go shopping and do the things that she wanted to do because it was all about the loss of autonomy. And so she wanted to be able to get out and, and be away from the assisted living place. Um, you know, and so they, they tried to help make that happen and, and kind of increase as she had her college-age children come in and take their grandmother out. So, I mean, that, that was a very loving way to do that, but that is a really, really difficult um, situation sometimes because... You think about it, and this is a whole other thing. Oftentimes, it's about dealing with loss and grief. You know, as people get older, there's more loss and grief, whether it's dealing with leaving a community that you've loved, um, whether it's losing physical ability, whether it's losing friends. Um, you know, all of those things are conversations to have to help a loved one you know, talk through. All right. Shannon, thanks very much. We're going to um, take a quick break and come back and um, see what else we can um, uncover here about these That's invisible it. conversations. Again, if you'd like to participate, we still have time to take a call or two, and callers will receive a copy of Shannon's book, the one we were talking about. Uh, the number here is 866-472-5788. 866-472-5788. also want to remind callers or listeners that at 5 o'clock on Tuesday afternoons, 5 o'clock Pacific time, you can learn more about the Hoffman process from going to our website website and learning more about the free and confidential introductory call that happens every Tuesday, 5 o'clock Pacific time. And our website is hoffmaninstitute.org. We'll be right back on the Hoffman Connection. 
Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. And it's Ed McClune here at the Hoffman Connection. My co-host, Raz and Grossi, is actually traveling as we speak right now, so he will join us next week. Um, our guest is Shannon White, author of, amongst uh, a couple of books, The Invisible Conversations with Your Aging Loved Ones. And Shannon, I was thinking about a couple of times, I just mentioned it while we were off air, this song by uh, a friend and Hoffman grad, Rodney Crowell, that um, says something about, uh, I don't want to live... The- my life in dread with wishing, thinking about things I wished I'd said. It's so true, and that's so appropriate, isn't it? (laughs) And I love, I was telling you a quote of uh, 19th century American poet and abolitionist John Greeley Whittier, who said, for all of sad words of tongue and pen, the saddest are these, it might have been. And the reality is it doesn't have to be that way. We can have those conversations at any time, step over those perceived barriers, and they really are perceived because there's no physical, um, you know, you can pick up the phone at any time, and I've certainly heard and experienced many times where that's been done, where it's really quite miraculous how things can be healed just by one or more conversations. And, and you know, I, I must say I'm really grateful um, that the Hoffman process is out there. I am a graduate, as you know, Ed, and um, this book actually came out of my work at Hoffman, um, working on all of those invisible conversations that just were stuffed inside and getting that out so that I could go without all of the extra energy and reconnect with people, um, with my parents. You know, this is 
this book, The Invisible Conversations with Your Aging Parents, was really me. I had them a lot. And I think what it, the process allowed me to do was be able to, in much more of a loving and gentle way, be able to, re- be able to reach out to them and connect. Because the, when you have the invisible conversations, it creates a disconnect from the people um, that we love the most. And um, I think the process really helped me clear out a lot of the garbage that I was living with, you know, the things that the perceived notions and a lot of the past stories I told myself um, to get to a place of real forgiveness and then to be able to reconnect. So, and you know, it also helped on the other end too with my own daughter, you know, who saw a whole lighter side of me and um, it changed our, it transformed our whole relationship. That's such an important point, you know, that, when you say, you know, perceived ideas of the other person, it's almost like we live in prejudice of our parents mm. or of our children. You know, there's a perceived idea that they won't like this conversation or that's too much or if I have this conversation, this will result. And, you know, it's kind of boxing the whole family in and sometimes just opening up, you know, getting over our own prejudice around these other people in, in our family New possibilities, new things happen. Love happens. It's true, and it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you have the story in your head, then you create that outcome because you're going on presuppositions. I see it playing out in different relationships where um, I may be able to talk to someone without the the story behind, you know, that they're carrying, and I say, "Oh yeah, well, I said this to them," and they went, "What? They they said that? You know, they responded that way? You know, where it's a whole different reality." So you're exactly right. Yeah, but. Um, you know, the whole thing with, it's, there's no, there's no mistaking about it. You know, as our parents age, it can be difficult. And there's a quote by Thomas Merton, who's one of my favorite authors, in his book, Conjectures of a Guilty Bystander, that kind of just puts it in a very human way. And it says, in a time of drastic change, one can be too preoccupied with what is ending or too obsessed with what seems to be beginning. In either case, one loses touch with the present and with its obscure but dynamic possibilities. You do not need to know what is happening or exactly where it all is going. What you need, to, what you need is to recognize the possibilities and challenges offered by the present moment and embrace them with courage, faith, and hope. In such an event, courage is the authentic form taken by love. I love that. Because it really is about, you know, when you're not muddled up with all of the stories, you can be present to what's happening in all of its joys and sorrows, because we're not talking about wiping away the sadness of this. Um, you know, it's hard losing a parent, watching them deteriorate. It's hard being at odds with a sibling. Um, but the important thing is to be present in the moment and to try to connect with your full humanity with the other person. And I will say that I, you know, got a lot of that benefit from being a Hoffman. So I want to thank you, Ed, for being part of that process. Yeah. It is an honor to carry this through, and I and, uh, appreciate that. And it's certainly wonderful to, to be here on the show with you. I mean, this thank you. is such, you know, what strikes me, uh, amongst many things, even just opening up the conversation about invisible conversations, but um, how how really practical your approach is and the book is and the, all the information ab- about 
different kinds of areas, you know, no talk rules around different places, whether they're finances or durable power of attorney or whatever. And I think you just did a great job. And thank you for, for this contribution to uh, those of us, more of us all the time who are addressing our, our <laughs> aging parents. Thank you. Well, I mean, the idea of it was not to tell people how the conversation should go, but I address probably, you know, a good several dozen topics, and then I give vignettes, I back it up with research, and then I just give a list of questions to get into the conversation in different ways. You know, every conversation is going to be different according to, you know, the organic nature of that relationship. So, and again, it's about getting into them time and time again in different ways and at different times because the conversation will, will move. Um, and that's the hope. You know, lots of stories in there because everybody has something to share. So I invite that. And, you know, I encourage people, you know, write a review if you, if you like it. If you don't like it, write, let me know what you think. Um, it's on Amazon. It's on all the ebook platforms. Um, my hope, and, you know, and interestingly, too, corporations who are savvy are offering elder care benefits because corporations lose billions of dollars a year from uh, their employees who are caught up with caregiving stress. So, you know, this is, this is going to be a conversation that's had <laughs> time and time again. You know, and, that's right. And, yeah. and you're, you're contributing to many different families. And your website is shannonawhite.com, is that that's right? That's right, yep. Okay, so people who want to find out more about your work and, you know, wait around for the next Invisible Conversation <laughs> book can, uh, can uh, bookmark that page. Thank Thanks you, so yeah. much, Shannon White, for, Thank you, for Ed. being here. It's, it's a gift to all of us. And uh, Raz will be back next week. I'll be off the air next week. I'll be away teaching the Hoffman Process. Again, if you want to learn more about the process, please go to our website, hoffmaninstitute.org. You can learn about the courses, the teachers, and about the free introductory call that happens every Tuesday afternoon at 5 o'clock. Thank you so much, and see you next week here on the Hoffman Connection. Bye now. Thank you again for being a part of the Hoffman Connection. Please join your hosts, Raz and Grossi and Ed McLoon, again next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, make it an outstanding week. We'll be right back.